Welcome to The Climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. And if you've been sticking around, you know that The Climb, C-L-I-M-B, is an acronym that stands for Creating Leverage in the Music Business. Let me introduce you to my co-host and good friend, Mr. Brent Baxter. Brent is an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady Annabellum, Joe Nichols, and more. And my favorite part about Brent, other than his big, burly Movember beard, is that he also Mm. helps songwriters turn pro by teaching the art, craft, and the business of songwriting. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Hey, and I'd like to introduce y'all to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. It's an innovative artist development company. They help you find your sound, and they help you find your audience. Not only do they develop and improve your artistry, they also grow and monetize your fan base, creating... Daredevil has worked with multi multi platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That's production, singular, no S. Hey, Johnny, what's up, man? How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And I stink at the banter. I always go right into, I'm so excited because we have blah, blah, blah going on. Well, you know what? We actually have a reason to be tonight because we got our first guest. Dude, I'm scared. Are you scared? I'm, I'm on multiple yes. levels. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, because it's the first time we've ever done this, and I hope the technology holds up because I have no right. idea what could happen. And, and number two, because the guest that we have has a history in radio of longer than like 15 or 20 years. So <laughs> we're both like, you know, we're idiots yeah. compared to him. <laughs> Don't judge. Don't judge. Remember, but, I'm a lyricist. I'm not used to being around a microphone to begin with. <laughs> there you go. And that's it for a reason, though. Exactly. Exactly. Well, um, hey, our first guest is a uh, is Wade Sutton, who owns Rocket to the Stars. This is a gentleman that I've been working with for for quite some time now with a number of different artists, and he brings a, a unique. He's got a very special set of tools that he brings to <laughs> that he brings to the that he brings to the table. And um, what we're going to talk about today with Wade is uh, live show. Production, okay, and this is important. So, I can tell you from my experience with Bailey James, who is our flagship artist here at Daredevil, and that is to say that she is the farthest along on her artistic journey. We've had we've been working with her the longest, and so she's got the most to show for it. Well, we had a chance to put together a show at a middle school, which was a target audience that we wanted to hit in numbers and we're still working on putting multiple uh, schools together but we we had a 12 year old girl who's never played a gig in her life and and she's got to go stand up you know in front of <laughs> 730 kids and and look like she knows what the hell she's doing with a full band I'm I mean a full pro band from Nashville full on sound system in the uh in the uh, not the stadium. What am I talking about? In the in the basketball uh, in the basketball <laughs> in the court. gym in the gym. It'll be, a, it'll be a stadium someday. <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah. That voice is Wade. We're about to introduce him in a second here. But but I want to tell you that that uh, Wade did some work with with Bailey in advance of those shows, and they worked for 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 quite a while in getting her. 
to the point where she could look more professional and, and, and have a lot more she didn't look as green. Let's just say that at all. She looked mm-hmm. like she knew what she was doing. It didn't look like it was her first day, you know, but it was her first day. I mean, that was the thing. So the results were absolutely astounding. I mean, um, and, and I've told you this before, Wade, but I just, I just, it was above and beyond my expectations. I didn't know how much you were going to be able to do to, to make that happen. Now, for some of you listening, you might be thinking, well, I've done, you know, a thousand shows, Johnny. I don't need live show production. Well, let me tell you, you do. And there is a, there's language, there's visual language, there's audio language, and there's what we call paraverbal language. There are, if you notice, uh, and you can see some of this kind of creep in, I think, um, Brent, you've seen this if you ever watched American Idol. Mm-hmm. As, the, as those artists begin to progress, as they begin to sort of season up and we're in the top 10, and you start to see some of the work that they've been doing with people like Wade out in Hollywood, Mm-hmm. And they begin to understand that to create that moment, to create that, the audience knows when to clap by what you do just as much as by what you say. And how is it that some artists in the middle of a performance can have a long, what we call a cesura, right? A long pause with this long, pregnant, dramatic thing before they end it. And most people know not to clap because mm-hmm. of the, the body language of the artist and the way that the, the artist has produced the live show. And then another uh, story that I want to touch on is is just something that Wade did with a this incredible artist out in San Diego who's a blonde country singer, kind of reminds me of uh, Hank Williams Jr. And uh, the shot story. So I want to make sure we get into the shot story. But uh, w- w- without further ado, I-, I want to introduce everybody to our first guest on the climb Mr. Wade Sutton from Rocket to the Stars. Wade, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And you're right, Johnny. Brent does have a very thick, manly beard. <laughs> well, I do what I can. He's slowly <laughs> turning into like one of those like hipster dudes, you know? Like, I serve as a for the queen. I'll, I'll be at your near coffee shop doing something cold brew and uh, hipsterish, Talk- handmade artisan, handcrafted. <laughs> he, artisan you know what? He, he, he is hipsterish because I remember over the summer I was in Nashville speaking at a conference and Brent and I got together. Um, I can't remember the name of the coffee house. It's across the street from Mamacitas. Yeah, Edge Hill Cafe. Edge Hill Cafe. That's right. And he he was in there drinking his tea, and and we sat down and had a talk for a while. And God, he does have a little bit of a hipsterish thing going on. You're right. I'm not sure how I feel about that, but since you're you're a guest in, in my digital house, I'll say thank you. How's <laughs> <laughs> it go with that? You feel my jeans getting tighter around the ankles already. Yeah. I feel like I want to wear a leather apron. And That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, let's get into this, man, because um, you know we 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 want to get right down to business. So, Wade, let's talk about why, why don't you kind of let it rock here? Bring forth what what it is that you're doing in the way of of stage production, of a live show production. Why is it important? What do you bring to the table? And then maybe you and I and and Brent can kind of go back and forth with some examples on what you did for Bailey James and also what you did for, um, for the, the, the San Diego artist and his name is escaping me right now. Corey, Corey Corey Wilkins. Corey Wilkins. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Sorry, Well, you know what happened was a couple of years ago, I, you know, I was working in radio and I was starting to kick around this idea of making a jump over into the music industry. And I, I kind of got thrown 
into it a lot sooner than I expected, at least on a full-time basis, because I, I had that job in radio for about 18 years, and I was unexpectedly laid off. And I thought, well, this is what I've been thinking about doing. Now's my opportunity. And I've always been a big believer in the idea of going around and finding out exactly what it is that people seem to really, really need help with, and then go about figuring out what it is to do that can help them. And when I started working with people, at least on the subject of, of putting together shows, the big thing that I kept hearing from people, and Johnny, I know you're going to shake your head when I say this and agree with me because you're a marketing person, is a lot of people were saying, look, I know I'm supposed to be collecting these emails from fans, but I'm having a horrible time doing it at my live show. I kept hearing stories from people saying, well, you know, we'd get two or three people to sign up, and then you'd find out that that was a very, very small percentage of the people that were actually in attendance. So I began saying to myself, all right, well, what is it that we have to do to get these people to sign up? So I began focusing on, you know, just studying everything about shows and what makes them entertaining. And I put a very specific focus on what it is that an artist says to audiences between their songs. And what is it that we have to say to persuade people to take that step of either going over to a merchandise table and putting their name and their email address on a, on a notepad or a clipboard or taking it a step further and getting those people to whip out their cell phones right in the middle of the show and either jump onto the artist's website and sign up for the email list or just use their phone to sign up for a text message list, which is what we did with Bailey uh, during her show with Franklin Simpson. So those have been the big things. It's been how do we how do we increase the conversion rate of the email signups at the live show? And what do we have to do to increase the average amount of money spent per person at the show when they go over to the merchandise table? So that, that's been the big thing on the performance front for me it has been increasing those two things. Do you see why this is like porn for me, Brent? <laughs> Johnny, Brent, I'll tell you right now. John, Johnny and I get on the phone and we geek start. Out, don't we you? do. We do. Geek, geek out. out. We're talking numbers. We're talking conversion rates, and uh, you know, we talk about how we apply that to things like live shows, and obviously with squeeze pages and all that other fun stuff. Oh, not you just said squeeze. I did squeeze. <laughs> well, what that did to Johnny? Squeeze. I was just, <laughs> I was just thinking. You know, you're talking about getting like conversions and email stuff at a show, and I'm just wondering how many people out there have that has even crossed their minds. I mean, that is a fairly new thing i would imagine unless you know like hey i'm passing around a list please sign your email address on this sheet of paper with the tip jar i would imagine there are a lot of people that that's not even on their radar about getting email conversions and text to email. it's 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 not on their radar uh for for two reasons in in some cases the people don't even know that they should be doing it in other cases, they're just not interested in doing it. It's extremely hard work. And a lot of artists that are out there, I would say the vast majority of artists, and this might sound kind of pessimistic of, of me, but the vast majority of artists just want to get up on stage and play their music. They don't want to be bothered with all the, the business work that goes on behind the scenes. And this is a big part of it. I mean, we found it's, it's definitely not a new thing. It might be new to some people in the music industry, but when it comes to marketing, you know, we've been finding the music industry is five and ten years behind marketing in a lot of other industries. 
So you have a lot of artists out there right now that are focusing on the collection of emails when a lot of other industries have already moved on to text messages. Right. Um, so you're right. A lot of them aren't doing it, but a lot of times those are the two biggest reasons. They're either not aware that they should be doing it or they are aware and they would rather be playing their music and not having to spend the time and the effort to put into work to actually get the email signups. I think the, I think the biggest thing is the behavior modification because it just means they got more to do tomorrow than they had to do today and they don't want to get their head around it. But you know what? At the end of the day, uh, if you're doing your job right, if you believe you're doing your job right as a, at a live show and you're blowing people's minds, there is no better conversion rate than that. You know, like I, mm-hmm. you know, give them, give them the song for free. Give them, you know, get them, give them a reason. And, and what Wade's dealing with is how do you sell it? How do you sell it so you can get that contact information? Because, if, you know, we talk a lot here at Daredevil Production. We talk a lot on the climb on this podcast about permission marketing. And before you can get permission from somebody, you have to get their contact information and make an interruption there's no better interruption than a live show and they're like holy crap dude you were amazing like and and you're like hey man thank you get a free song you know and Mm -hmm. so so i think that um the other aspect of that which is how to raise the revenue at a show that's what you did for Corey. that was the shot like to go into the shot story dude the shot glass story because this this is what, like, when Wade and I first met, I heard this story, and this is where I started to understand how Wade ticks inside his head, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to take a chance on him with one of my artists, because I think, like, I, I like where his head is at, and sure enough, then then we'll get into what happened with Bailey and the results of that, and um, and I think it, you'll see that, you know, I was right. <laughs> my good instinct was spot on. <laughs> In the case of Corey, Corey is a country rock artist in San Diego, and Corey reached out to me about doing some performance work. And there were some some very special circumstances with Corey because he's blind, and he wanted to have a show that was more energetic, more entertaining. But you know, the obstacle that we were facing was one: he's blind; two: I'm instructing him over Skype. Mm-hmm. So. I, I was really excited when he contacted me because I love having the opportunity to work with somebody who's going to challenge me and push me to become better. And that was the case with Corey. And what we ended up doing with him was um, to at least be able to get him out from behind the microphone moving around. I, I had a discussion with um, somebody you guys know, James Meany. Uh, very good voice instructor that I've known for the past couple of years. And James was the one who actually suggested what we did to get Corey to be able to move around. Basically, I had him go to the store, uh, to a, a, a home improvement store, and buy these wooden dowel rods. And we made this contraption that was triangular in shape. We laid it down on the stage with the microphone stand in one of the angles of the triangle. And then one of the sides of the contraption ran parallel to the front of the stage. And basically what we did was when we wanted him to get out moving from behind the microphone, which was really important. I wanted to do something like that with him because you don't usually see blind artists up walking around. Um, What we did was whenever we wanted to move him around, he would walk and, and I would have him place his boot over one of the rods so that he could feel it while he was walking. And he knew to stop because he would feel two of the rods intersecting. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how really? he, yeah, that's how he was able to work the stage. It was really cool. But he he had this one song that was in his set list called "Tastes Like Whiskey." And on his merchandise table, he sells shot glasses that have the name of the song on it. And when we were sitting down, basically trying to formulate the show and the set list and figure out some of the different things that we could do in it, that was one of the things I wanted to target. I told him, I said, I I think we have an opportunity here. We can come up with something to push people to the merchandise table, uh, if anything, to buy these shot glasses. So what we did was we set it up so that it was the second to the last song in the set, which was really important because Corey has a very wild crowd. They drink a lot. And I wanted to make sure that they had a lot of alcohol and liquor in them when we did this with the shot glass, (laughs) because they would be more susceptible to buying the stuff. So, um, we set a wooden stool up on the stage by the microphone stand. We have a bottle of whiskey on it. We have one of the shot glasses. And as he's getting ready to go into the song, Corey tells the crowd, he says, hey, I, you know, it's my understanding that all of you wanted to do a shot with me tonight. If that's the case, now's the time to go over and get your drink because this is when we're going to do it. So everybody runs over to get their shots and everything. And, and he's starting into the song. And we get pretty far into the song, and we're getting, before we go into the bridge, the music kind of comes down a little bit. And Corey, he has somebody pour the shot for him, and then he holds a shot glass up like he's going to do a toast. And everybody in the venue follows along with him. It's like Johnny said, they see him doing it, they know exactly what to do. They all raise their glasses. Mm-hmm. And um, I had Corey go out of his way at all the different venues to make sure that he learned the names of as many of the the barkeeps that he could, the waitresses, the owner, everybody, so that he could thank them by name at this particular spot in the show for having the band there. And he he thanks the crowd, and everybody gets excited, and he goes, all right, everybody, hold them up, they hold them up, throw them back. Everybody does a shot. Everybody starts cheering, whistling, howling, you know, having a good time. He waits for the crowd to die down a little bit so they can hear him, and he says, oh, by the way, these are my taste like whiskey shot glasses. Make sure if you want to have something to take home to remember the great party we had here tonight, be sure to stop by the merchandise table and pick up one of these. So nice. what we did was we centered, you know, that 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 spot in the show when everybody's really focused on what he's saying and we have them in a spot where we know they're very susceptible to suggestion. Mm-hmm. In addition to the fact that we have the alcohol in them, they're having a good time. We're getting close to the end of the show. We just gave them a great reason to go over to the merchandise table and to buy something. So we worked a specific piece of merchandise into the show without it feeling forced. Yeah. It mm-hmm. felt it felt very, very natural. And, um, and what were the, the results first, of this? Well, the first time the first time Corey did that in front of a group of people. Uh, we were on Skype rehearsing the full show as he was prepping for a performance that he had coming up. And there was a local motorcycle, uh, motorcycle club that allowed him and the band to come in because they had a lot of room in the club to set up and have the band there so that we could Skype and do the rehearsal. And they asked if they would be allowed to watch it. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. So Corey said, yeah, absolutely. So they had about 30 people there. And when Corey got done, he, he called me after we had everything wrapped up and he was on his way home. And he said, you're not going to believe what happened after we got off Skype. And I said, what? And he said, well, he said the, the people who were there all came up and started asking me about the shot glasses. Now, this was a rehearsal. So Corey wasn't really thinking I'm going to be selling stuff. He just thought it's going to be a rehearsal. We're going to be working on the show and there's going to be some people there watching it. So he runs out to his van to look and see if there's maybe anything out there. And there was actually a box with, I, I think he said a couple dozen, a couple dozen of the shot glasses that happened to be in the van from the previous show that they had done. And I said, oh, that's great. I said, how many of them did you sell? And he said, every single one of them. <laughs> Now, now take that out for a second, though. Take that out for a second from from the fan perspective. They sat. Now, this was just a rehearsal, but at, even uh, during a live show, you get the lights, you get the sound, you get the mood. You're there with your 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 your, your squad. You're having a good time, and this whole thing happens. You enter into this journey with them. You go and you get the shot class. Now that goes home. It goes up in your. Mm-hmm. You're going to do shots from that. Every single time you pull that shot, class, you're going to remember that moment. You're going to remember that artist. That's a mental anchor in, in terms of neurolinguistic programming, and you can't do any better than that. That's genius. You, yeah. just said, you just said a phrase I was actually planning to, planning to bring up a little bit later in the podcast. You said neurolinguistic programming. Um, it, it, no, you're right. It is an anchor. And what's great about it is it's something that's very targeted. It was something that we knew would go over very, very well with his specific crowd. Uh, we did something very similar in Bailey's show where we kind of put ourselves in the shoes of the people we knew were going to be watching it and, we, and, and said, okay, if I were a middle school student going into one of her songs, what does she have to say to get me really drawn into the song and everything that's going on at that particular time? So, Sally has filters. Snapchat. Did you give away Snapchat filters? No, no, we didn't give away Snapchat filters. <laughs> okay, just checking. <laughs> no, but you know what? Like, okay, so check this out. Like, without selling sex, he sold sex to the middle age, to the middle school. I, oh, I did. Oh no, I did, but not in a creepy way. Not in a creepy way. No. So yeah, sure. The, the, like, there is not a creepy way. I can already hear the. 
overheard on today's podcast. <laughs> How to sell sex to a middle <laughs> neuro-linguistic programming selling sex to 12-year-olds. That's awesome. To 12-year-olds. It'll get you listens. <laughs> right? I mean, what the heck? Uh, Bailey had a song in her set list called True Color. And, uh, you know, in, in, in sitting down getting ready for the show, one of the things I did was I said to Bailey, all right, tell me every single one of these songs, where was your head when you wrote it? What were you thinking? Um, you know, what was going on in your life that inspired you to write it? And uh, this song, I thought, was interesting from the perspective of some form of storytelling going into it, simply because Bailey brought up that when she wrote it, what she was thinking about was when when you're in school and you have a crush on somebody, but you're scared to death to tell them. And I thought, okay, this is something we can work with. So what I did was I, I sat down and I actually scripted everything that Bailey said going into that song. And I coached her through the delivery of it because I didn't want it to sound scripted. I it wanted it to be very natural and come across as uh, conversational. And I'm looking at the script right now. I have it pulled up on, on my computer. And she said uh, she sat down on a stool. And it was the only song in the set list where she sat down because I wanted to make sure she sat down. People focused on her talking and on the lyrics of the song. Um, so we didn't have a lot going on visually for this song because that's where we wanted the attention to be was on the lyrics. And uh, Bailey told the crowd, she said, let's let's have a heart to heart talk for a minute. And she said, I, a lot of people ask me how I find inspiration for songs I write. Tell them a lot of my songs come from personal experience and my own feelings. And she said, look, I'm just like all of you, which I thought was a really important sentence to throw in there, because even though she's up there with a full band and she's singing, she had been in Franklin Simpson a few weeks before over the summer to shoot her first music video. There was a lot of buzz about that. I wanted her to have that sentence in there because I wanted to make sure that all those people that were in the crowd that were watching felt like they could relate to her as much as possible. And she said, I'm just like all of you. She said, I go to public school. I have my circle of friends that I hang out with, and I have all the same growing pains you do. And that includes that feeling you get in your stomach when you really like somebody, but you're too afraid to tell them. And then mm -hmm. she goes on. She says, we've all been in that spot. I'm willing to bet that many of you sitting in this gym right now have a crush on somebody else sitting in the gym, but you're too afraid to admit it to them. That was awesome in the show. People started looking around. Uh, yes. It, it got, and we, even said, we even said, so while Giggling. I'm singing it, maybe every once in a while, peek over at that person you have a crush on and think about the words in this song. So, what we did was really important. It's something that I preach to a lot of songwriters. I see a lot of people get up in front of crowds. They're getting ready to introduce an original song, and they go into the standard, this is what this song is about, this is why I wrote it, and then they go into it. I've been a big advocate of the idea, just from experimenting with this, that you can be far more effective if... When telling people what the song is about or, or, or what it is that you have going on, if you can bring up something that in their minds, they start, start shuffling through their own memories, they start thinking about their own feelings, thinking about their stuff that's going on in their lives, and let them imprint their own memory on the song instead of the singer imprinting their memory on it for them.
because mm-hmm. then it's a lot more powerful. Oh, now you're in my world. Wait, right. Okay. Welcome to my side of the street. I am so all over this. I'm in the middle of like six blog posts about this, <laughs> this very thing called what's in it for the listener. Exactly. And it's, it's not about the singer. It's not about, you know, from my point of view, it's not about the songwriter. They don't, they're not listening for me and what's going on in my life. The artist's not cutting it for what's going on in my life. The, the listener wants to relate to it and go, what's in it? They're all tuned into what? W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? Right. And so, yeah, like you talked about, they're looking around and they're looking at their crushes, thinking about them. So that song suddenly becomes about them. And that's what's in it for them as they're thinking about their crush. Or it's, you know, the house that built me where people are thinking about their own homes that they grew up in. It's not about Miranda. It's about me thinking about my home in Batesville, Arkansas, that my parents were about to move out of when that song came out. You know, I'm moving on. Wasn't what was in it for me. That Rascal Flat song wasn't whatever joe don and jay and you know gary were going through it was the fact that i was moving from little rock to to nashville and i was moving on and that song was you know for me that's what was in it for me is i could totally relate to it i didn't care what was going on with the singers that's what was in it for me so i think you're spot on with this so anyway, yeah, keep and, going and, and you know Stepping one, down of the from things, the soapbox. <laughs> one of the things that i i preach to a lot of artists is mostly when i hear them say and i hear this all the time well People that are out there that come to these shows, they're not as into original music. They'd rather listen to the same music over and over, the stuff that they're already fans of. And and I try to stress to them the importance of understanding that a lot of times when that's happening, it's because the artist is failing to present the music to them in the right way. Uh, like you said, what's in it for the fan? That should always be the number one concern when you get up on stage always 100 percent. a lot of artists fail to have that be the case though uh you know going back to Corey, i remember a song that that Corey had in his set list when we were working on his show and it was called they sound like that and basically the gist of the song was when you have a song that is important to you you remember it from when you were growing up and you don't hear it for a very long time. And then way down the road, you're listening to the radio and the song comes on and it starts making you think of all those memories from when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was another one that as soon as he told me what the song was about, I immediately jumped on it because I knew there was potential. So the way we crafted him introducing that song was um, was really trying to jog people's memories of different things. So Essentially, what we did was we we started bringing up common memories that people have, but we were very vague and we presented it in a way that as Corey was kind of going through this list real slowly, it was giving different people in the audience an opportunity to go through their minds and remember something along the lines of what he was talking about. And people were going to go to different things. So he said something like, when you hear a song come on the radio and it reminds you of your first date and then he kind of pause and then he kind of pauses and he says or that day that you left for uh for the military for the first time because not remind to remember his crowd a lot of people in uh that were veterans that people that were in motorcycle clubs so these were people who were all older Mm -hmm. um you know, so he mentioned about leaving for basic training or the first time you left for war. 
then he kind of leaves that hang for a minute. And then he says, or you start remembering your first car. And then he lets that hang for a minute. Then he gets this really devilish grin on his face. And he goes, or the things you did in the back seat of that first car. Which gets get a big, to, get the cheers. You get a big pop, a right? Big, big reaction. And every time he says that, everybody starts laughing, and then psh, they go right into the beginning of the song. Nice. So that's one of those situations where instead of Corey getting up and saying, This is what I was thinking about when I wrote this song, instead we flipped it. We put the focus and the concentration on the fans. Mm-hmm. Let them think about their memories and some of the songs that that make them think of those memories. And then once they have that image in their head after he's kind of jogged their their brain for it, then he goes into the song and then they, they're sitting there thinking about that particular thing while they're listening to the song. Now we've created an emotional connection with an original song that these people have never even heard before, Man. which is the thing that I keep hearing songwriters say, this is what I need to do, but can't figure out how to do it. Yeah, I, I love that because it's something I put in either a blog that just came out or one that's about to. It's like, if you want your song, one of the best ways for your song to connect with the listener is to use your song to connect the listener with some memory or some part of their life. Use your song as a connection point between the listener and something in their own life, and then they'll connect to the song through that. So, I love that. Yeah, I, I, have, I have a non-musical correlation to that. It's one of my favorite Seth Godin blogs. And if mm-hmm. you've ever followed Seth Godin, he writes very short blogs, right? Like mm-hmm. like one paragraph and it's just in and out. But he talked Every about day. Girl Scout cookies. And he, he was walking out of a grocery store and the typical, it's Girl Scout cookie time. There's the troop over there. Would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And he, of course, everybody's like, no. And they walk past and that's the, the normal reaction. Some people go and get them. But he's just decided to stop and go to the Girl Scouts and say, everybody come around here. He goes, look, stop trying to sell Girl Scout cookies. Instead of asking if they want to buy Girl Scout cookies, here's what I want, here's what I want you to ask them. What's their favorite memory of Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> <laughs> and just get them talking about it and you'll sell out. And he came back the next yeah, day and they're like, it. we sold four times the amount we sold all last season yesterday by doing that because it's all about them. It wasn't about the cookies. It wasn't about the You're Girl Scouts. them to do you a favor. Yeah. Do me a favor. Listen to my song. Do me a favor and buy my record. Do me a favor and buy my Girl Scout cookies. Right. I, I don't owe you anything. <laughs> but that's right. awesome. How many people would pay how much for a minute with Seth Godin? Right. To give him some advice, a lot, a lot, yeah, and a it would lot. be worth it. Yeah. And it would. Yeah. <laughs> so, so there yeah. we go. I mean, right there, Wade. I want to thank you for 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 being our first guest, and and I I think we've we we chose to do this rather than through instruction, through just stories on how important it is to start to consider and start to think about your live show production and what you're saying exactly in between songs matters. Because mm-hmm. it's it's there to 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 elicit and, and get the crowd into a certain spot. There's going to be moments where you come in where uh, you're either there's going to be calls to action where you're going to tell them to buy that shot glass, tell them to, to go over and get the uh, the t-shirts or the CDs or what have you. Or one of my favorites is I stole from what Rick Barker told Taylor Swift, which was the. You know, hey, I would love to get to know you. If you'd like to get to know me, I'll be right over here by the merch table after the show. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we'll take some pictures and, and sign some autographs. And this is right when she was starting. So she wasn't Taylor Swift yet. She was just Taylor Swift, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, and how well that worked at getting 
people on board and lining up behind her. If you want to sell 10,000 records, you're going to have to meet 10,000 people and shake 10,000 hands. And for every artist out there, 10,000 records would mean you come back and do it again and make a living uh, being an artist. And, and that's what you want to do. Um, quick little value bomb that I want to throw out there for live show uh, to, to get people to live shows that uh, I want to share with you, uh, especially for the younger audiences, for audiences. That, by the way, this does not work for older audiences. I tried this on, with Seven Horse. They're a bunch of old, they're a blue, old blues crowd. It doesn't care because they got money, they got means, and they like their scotch, and they, they know what they want to drink. And they're happy. But yeah, that's right. They're yeah. happy. And, and for the... Um, but if you have a young crowd, if you've got a college crowd, if you've, if you've got... Uh, you know, the young, broke <laughs> crowd out there. Free beer is a big deal. There was a band in Wisconsin that used to sell it every freaking weekend. The name of the band was Free Beer. And, uh, and, and they sell it all the time. But here's the, here's the gig. Go and find out what a shift beer costs at the venue that you're playing at. Usually it's like a buck. That's what the, that's what the owner of the bar is going to charge the waiters and waitresses after they're done, uh, with the shift. And, Whatever they're paying you, throw some money back at them. Get 50 or 100 shift beers. Go get some tickets from Staples, some lottery tickets, or, you know, what do they call those? Not the lottery, but the raffle ticket. A raffle, raffle ticket. Tickets. Thank you. From, mm-hmm. from Staples. And, and, uh, give 50 of those to whoever's at the door taking money and then put it out on your social media. Put it out on whatever marketing that you should be doing for the live show and let them know first 50 people through the door, first beers on us and get them out there. That's a great way to get them in the door. And then as far as getting people to either text in uh, to get the free download so that you can obtain the telephone number or to opt in to the squeeze page so that you can get the contact information there, a really great tool that I've worked on a number of artists, which has worked incredibly well, is to go and just talk to the bar owner and say, hey, man, I'm starting a mailing list. I got this really cool thing that I'm doing. I was wondering if you'd be willing to put up a $25 bar tab. Now, remember that a $25 bar tab is 25 bucks cash to the consumer, but the, the liquor cost to the bar is probably four to six bucks, maybe. So mm-hmm. for the bar owner, it's a very inexpensive way to try, try something new that no, I promise you, no artist has gone in and talked to, to that bar owner about yet. So when you say, Hey, man, uh, what I want to do is let everybody know that when you get them warmed up, from the stage and you're like, who wants free music? Who wants free music? All right. Everybody right now, text this number, text, you know, Wade to this number right here, blah, blah, blah. Get your, everybody wins because everybody gets a free song. But it, before the last song of the night, I'm going to pick and you can pick from your computer. You can find out who opted in and you're going to pick one random name and that person's going to get a $25 bar tab. So it gives them a reason to stick around. And by the way, uh, and it's only for people who are there. So you have to be present Mm -hmm. to win. And every time that I've I've tried that on three separate occasions, the bar owner doubled it willingly. Said 25, make it 50. So that you could put, (laughs) listen, maybe we're not going to pay for your whole bar tab, depending on how much you're drinking, but we could have put a big dent in what you got going on tonight. And, and then we'll be in touch and we, you know, we promise we won't spam. We just want to let you know when we're coming back. And, and, and those are some really good tricks to get people to opt in to, to converting and, in, in, in making that happen. But, um, Wade, uh, man, thank you for taking the time. To, yeah. Wade, uh, where, where can we find you? Where can our listeners find you and, and read more about you and get more tips and all that good kind of stuff. Connect with you online. 
Well, you can find my website at www.rockettothestars.com. Uh, I wrote a book not too, too long ago with former Taylor Swift manager Rick Barker, and Johnny wrote the foreword for it, actually. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's a $150,000 music degree. And in lieu of paying 10 bucks to get it on Amazon, you can get a free copy of it if you go to www.giftfromway.com and just punch in your name, your email address. And after you get the confirmation email, click the link, you'll get a link that'll take you to the download for the book, as well as a 17-page PDF catalog that I have that features all of the different services I do and what the prices are and some things about me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, guys, we love websites that start with gift from. So. I know you do. I, that's where I got it from. See the running theme here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's> so incestuous. <laughs> well, guys, hey, once again, that brings us to an end of another uh, killer episode of The Climb. And this is our first interview episode. We're super stoked to have Wade Sutton from Rocket to the Stars. And listen, take this information, reach out to Wade. He can help you with a, with a lot of different things that can up your game and start to create cash flow at your show. And of course, we're creating cash flow with the music and, uh, and we're teaching writers how to create cash flow in their business on, on Brent's side as well. So with that, we'll say keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.